0: And welcome to Monsters and Murder. I'm Shane. I'm Sam. And we hope you've enjoyed our first couple episodes that we have put out. But before we begin today's episode, we wanted to tell you guys about something kind of creepy-ish that has happened to us.
1: I feel like we've had like a couple creepy things, but there have been a few times we've came home and some lights have been on and some doors have been open that we didn't leave open or on.
0: Yes, the I think we've I think it's happened twice. The first time I came home on on my lunch break, like I do sometimes, because it's not quite warm here yet. And when I came in, I noticed it's kind of like a hall light, but it's another room that's outside my room that we have. And the closet door in that room was open, but that leads to a breaker box.
1: Yeah, so I think it's the homeowner, but it was still kind of scary. It
0: was it was a little creepy to come home and see that because my first instance was like was me thinking I left all the light. But then when I saw the closet door open, I'm like, yeah, that's our landlord. She lives above us. She probably blew a fuse, came down because the circuit box is in that back closet in that room. Uh, But when you came home, (laughs) that's the more creepier part that we can't really explain.
1: Yeah. There were definitely lights and doors on. I mean, doors open. (laughs) It's light. I'm tired. It's not like coming home, you know, and you having left the Mm -hmm. front door wide open. Because I I knew what that was. (laughs) Although that was equally as terrifying. But, um. It's a good thing we live in a safe neighborhood, even though I know bad things happen in safe neighborhoods.
0: Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so it was a little fun we had. We thought we would be fun to tell you guys about it. Hopefully nothing creepy happens after this episode. <laughs> no,
1: hopefully I can just, like, go to sleep and not be awoken by something screaming or a light coming <laughs> on. <gone. laughs>
0: yes. Well, without wasting any more time, we'll get into the good stuff. So last week, I covered a particularly devilish spot in the woods... But this week, I wanted to cover a ghost story, and once again, I kind of searched for something that may not be as well known to the vast majority of people, or maybe there is, because when I searched for it, there are definitely some episodes of certain ghost shows and some episodes of certain podcasts that had covered it, but I had never heard of it until now. So I found one that I did not know of, and I'm excited to share the story of the Thomas House Hotel. Have you heard of it?
1: No, I have not.
0: <laughs> Good. Okay. Let's get into some of the history. So the Thomas House is one of three hotels remaining from the early 20th century resort boom at Red Boiling Springs. Red Boiling Springs is an area in Tennessee, a town in central Tennessee that's near the Tennessee-Kentucky state line. At least that's the major point that I could find on the map because I was like, how close is it? Where's the nearest biggest city? And I guess the nearest biggest city is Nashville, but that's still pretty far off from it. And it's near, it's closest to the Tennessee-Kentucky state line.
1: My case is Kentucky, too, tonight. Ooh. Yeah,
0: And we did not plan that. So, the little town was originally known as Salt Lick Creek due to a salt lick that was located nearby approximately four miles northwest of the current day Red Boiling Springs. I do
1: have a question. Yes. So, when I think of, like, a salt lick, I think of horses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But is I mean, this is probably a stupid question, but are there, like, natural salt licks? Like, big rocks? There are, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a mineral. Like, I couldn't tell you okay. what one looks like because I, too, kind of think of, like, a salt cube. <laughs> yeah, I
1: was just like, what somebody just left a random salt lick out? But I guess that makes sense.
0: But if you guys remember from our first episode, there was also a lot of natural salt licks in the in those woods where the devil's tramping ground is. So coincidence or not, I'm not sure. And again, that was another one of those coincidences that I didn't plan because we don't really know if that actually has anything to do with it or not. The Salt Lake attracted animals and in turn attracted Native Americans as well as other people. The town received its name, Red Boiling Springs, from the red tinted water that was believed to hold healing powers if consumed. And it's one of those things where I'm like, in my life, and I know this is back in the 1800s, but in my life, I'm like, if the water is clear, it might be drinkable, but I'm still really hesitant, especially if it's outside.
1: Yeah. But
0: I certainly would not be drinking red water.
1: No, and I know there's a place, like, in the county over where they have, like, healing springs. Have you heard of it? No. So, my grandparents, I, I went there, and they would take plastic jugs and fill them up and drink water from that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did, I don't know, when I was younger, because they fed me a lot of stuff that I would not touch now. Um, So I probably did drink that water, and I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it healed me or anybody, but they used to do that. The water was clear, it wasn't red. Yeah. and they probably would still drink it if it was red, but I wouldn't.
0: Yes, no, absolutely not. (laughs) It's, like, I live by the motto, just say no to Red 40. And I'm going to include that as red, tinted water.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to... Honestly, I'll, even if it was clear, I wouldn't drink it. No. But,
0: um, yeah. I mean, I have drank from a couple of natural springs in my life, uh, but I drank from them because adults and people older than me knew that they were natural and safe to drink because they had consumed them when they were younger. So I'm like, okay, they're still living thus far.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would still be wary of it.
0: But never once did I touch any other collar water. No. Ooh but not really judging those people because it was the 1800s and people believed it had healing powers however to no one's surprise here's this probably many people died after consuming the spring water <laughs> it turns out the water was polluted by crude oil i it, mean
1: you would think after the first couple people died people would stop drinking it
0: you would That's think after someone took healing. a sip <laughs> But it's really terrible because the population drastically dropped from 1,400 to 800, so almost half. Oh my god! Yes! (laughs) But that's where it got its name, Red Boiling Springs. (laughs) So, the 1800s saw a boom in the development of Mineral Springs resorts as summer getaways due in part to the publicity received by such places as Saratoga Springs up in New York. During the following decade, a railroad line was extended to Hartsville, which is nearby, and the railroad established a stagecoach line that would take people to red boiling springs. In the mid-1800s, people flooded the area because the water bubbling out of its mineral spring, they believed to have medicinal, medicinal? no, what is the
1: Medicinal. Word?
0: Yes, thank you, medicinal, goodness. We can
1: call it medi- medicinal if you
0: want to. <laughs> well, you know, if the word comes up again, I might. But so that's why people were flocking to this area, and, and the word spread like wildfire around the country, and the town of Sally turned into a bustling tourist attraction. So, in order to accommodate the growing population of visitors, some families invested in the hospitality sector to build hotels. And as these numbers continue to rise with visitors, two local general store owner owners and brothers, named Zach and Clay Cloyd, opened what is what was known as the Cloyd Hotel in 1890. It was said to cater to the most wealthiest and elite of Tennesseans. So the Cloyd Hotel was completely leveled by a fire in 1924. Oh. Which might have been a sign. People need to stop drinking this water. I don't know why that would be a sign, but, you know, maybe... I couldn't find anything on what started the fire or if anyone started the fire or if it was natural, like a struck by lightning or something. Um, But when I read that, I was like, hmm, I wonder if this was nature's way of being like, get out.
1: Yeah, you don't belong here.
0: After its fiery destruction, the red brick hotel that we know today was built, and that was in 1927. So, throughout history, the hotels actually had a lot of owners, and the Cloyd family has always, even though they haven't owned it, been involved to some degree. In 1950, the hotel was purchased by Dr. A.T. Hall, who modernized it with a bowling alley, golf course, and swimming pool. Oh, well,
1: maybe I would go there. That
0: <laughs> time. I watched a short video about just like the tourist part of it. They did not go into the haunt scenes or you know how polluted the water was it killed a lot of people but they had a lot of old pictures like there were swimming pools canoeing like it really looked like a, looked like a fun summer resort
1: that is terrifying like do, when you go and stay somewhere do you mm-hmm. ever think about how many people have died there because absolutely people not obviously die there I mean, <laughs>
0: yes i don't want to think
1: about it it's been a while since i've stayed anywhere other than home yes
0: but but no that's okay. that's one thing i put out of my mind at least i try to when i travel Because you're right. It's probably happened. It's... I mean, and it it was just a tragedy. I mean, unfortunately, he... I don't know. I couldn't find any other details about his death if he was left, like, unattended and didn't know how to swim or if he had some kind of attack or what happened. But
1: I don't think they have to tell you unless it's something that mm -mm. the hotel did that caused the accident. Yeah. And then there would have been, like, an investigation and everything.
0: And from that documentary I watched and honestly through some of the pictures I've seen... With all the people there, I'm not surprised that a kid could wander off. And again, I don't know if that's what happened, but it wouldn't surprise me if a kid wandered off and slipped into the pool by mistake or something like that. Well,
1: and I feel like at that time, kids were just kind of, kids were basically adults. When you turned five, you were getting up there. You (laughs) could do whatever you wanted.
0: It's true. After 23 years, A.T. Hall sold the Cloyd Hotel in the fall of 1973 to a professional wrestler known as Lester Morgan. And his wife i do not know who lester morgan is like for a while i was really into wwf which became wwe but i do not really know the 70s wrestlers like i know rick flair and hulk hogan have been involved since the, the dawn of time yes but i have no clue who this lester morgan is um it is reported that he kept a live bear in the hotel for amusement of the guests oh that's nice mm-hmm by may of 1983 the hotel was operated by Mossy Creek Summer Camp for Children and was owned by Evan Moss. The building was added to the National Register of Historic Places on September 11th, 1986. But in 1988 the summer camp was closed and the building was purchased by the Anzara Incorporation. I'm not entirely sure if I'm saying that right. The new owners renamed it to the Anzara Hotel and the Anzara was a religious group whose members lived in all three operating hotels in Red Boiling Springs at the time.
1: This sounds more like a cult, not a a group.
0: (laughs) Sounds a little culty, probably because it was. Oh. Little is known about the religious group, but it's believed the group was an Armageddon cult, focused on summoning and communicating with the dead. It was a cult. (laughs) There's no (laughs) question about it.
1: Let's go to the middle of Tennessee by this old camp. Mm-hmm. We're going to live here.
0: I read an account by a woman, and I didn't really include this in my notes, but I read an account where her and her husband went to the hotel during this time, because they were still advertising it as a tourist attraction.
1: They were just trying to get more members, That's exactly
0: what was happening. (laughs) Um, They wanted them to participate or just come, you know, see their little sermons and hearings. And they always talked about, because this woman was, they were teenagers when they went, her and her boyfriend. And so her boyfriend got hungry at night, went down to the kitchen because they were allowed to access the kitchens while it was kind of a hotel. You know, it wasn't ran like a hotel because it's a cult.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And the guy went to get some food and he said that when he went in there, all the members of the religious group were dancing wildly and naked. That
1: honestly just sounds like a party.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They might have been having a party. I don't know what they were doing. Um, He didn't know what they were doing. So he ran back upstairs very scared and then she recounted the next night Uh, They didn't leave? No. They stayed like a couple of days.
1: Well, he must not have been that afraid.
0: No. But the next night, both of them went down to get some food because she kept reiterating they were poor teenagers. They were going to get food.
1: They wanted to see some (laughs)
0: butts. (laughs) And they actually found like all these snack cakes. It was like a bunch of hostess cakes and they pretty much grabbed all they could, took them back up to, to their room, ate every single one of them, and they're lying on the bed. And at this point in time... One of the major cults, I can't remember which ones again, I did not include this in my notes, but, you know, that had already happened, and a bunch of people had drank the Kool-Aid and killed themselves. So, after they ate all this junk food, they became really worried that the food was tainted and that they were going to die.
1: Little Debbie is not worth it.
0: No. Well, and especially, like, one of the things she mentioned was a ding-dong. I don't like ding-dongs. <laughs> I
1: mean, it's been a long time since I've had a ding-dong, but... I mean, I would probably
0: eat it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but while they worried about that, they're still living. They were not laced with anything. No one, I don't, like the cult did not plan the mass suicide, at least not while they owned the hotel.
1: But there was a mass suicide? No. Oh, okay. I was like.
0: No, 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 no. I guess I misspoke when I said the mass suicide.
1: <laughs> it was <laughs> not like other is. cults.
0: <laughs> to that extent, it was not like other cults.
1: They just Um, like to get naked and dance it really does not sound like a terrible cult to
0: be in if you're going to be in a cult so the cult collapses by 1992 and soon the hotel fell into disrepair until the thomas family purchased it which i could not find an exact date in any of my research Um, but it now still remains one of the three hotels from the earliest 20th century resort boom and red boiling springs now we get into the really fun haunting parts So the grounds of the hotel itself are said to lend itself to the hauntings because the underground spring splits the limestone beneath it, and there's an intersection of creeks on the property that marks the path of a former Native American trail. And, you know, probably like all Native Americans, I'm sure they did not get a choice to keep their land. I'm sure they were ran off of it. Again, there were no details on that, but whenever I hear about, like, Native American trails and whatnot, I'm like, if they were anywhere in the vicinity, they were either killed or ran off. Yeah. Visitors claim to see dark figures in their room they walk through cold spots and feel their beds moving at night and have even heard a ghoulish voice that follows them down the halls. The hotel has been site of multiple suicides, murders, and, of course, its famed fires.
2: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of stuff has kind of happened to this hotel, but still, you know, at least the cult didn't kill themselves.
1: Now, you would think if there was something happening, they all would have died then. Mm-hmm. But that is really scary that it seems like places like that... um Clusters of suicides and fires and
0: things like that break out. Yes, that is really unnerving. Yeah, because there, in the I believe it's in the nineties, there was another fire. So parts of the hotel have been rebuilt. Though I found conflicting research; it says the whole hotel has been re- rebuilt at this point because of the fires, um, and other research has said only parts of it has. All right, so there's a few rooms where hauntings are specific to, the dining room. Well, people have heard laughter, disembodied voices, and seen unexplained fog, and even heard the piano played aloud in the room, although it is not plugged in.
1: What? Is, and I don't know why, but I... Why is a piano playing the creepiest thing you could ever hear?
0: <laughs> I don't I would argue that an Oregon's a little more creepier, but yes, I don't... I think it's just, you know, if you believe, and I definitely do believe in ghosts, even though sometimes it doesn't sound like it when I make little puns about the story, but... If you believe in ghosts, if they're mischievous, they're like, I'm gonna play this piano and freak these people out.
1: Even if I heard Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, I would still <laughs> piss my pants. Yes. If
0: I yes. So the activities have turned dark with guests complaining about being scratched or their hair being pulled in the dining room.
1: No, thank you.
0: Exactly. So the hallway is another hot spot and it's also one of the darkest places in the hotel. Like, literally, apparently, there's not a lot of windows in the hallway. Oh, okay. So it's literally dark. <laughs> And it's reported that people see shadow figures, hear disembodied voices, and they see orbs all in the space. And finally, room 37 is said to be the most haunted room in the hotel. This room is where the ghosts are most commonly seen. And I sent you a picture of the room through text because we are using my phone to record. And this is where you can look at the picture. It's only one single picture, but... Um, room 37 the most haunted room in the hotel
1: Uh, there's a creepy little crib and ugly bedding
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes when i saw the room i was kind of like oh and i wasn't like oh because it was creepy it's kind of like "Mm, those are some choices no
1: this looks like not even the golden girls would decorate the room like this
0: (laughs) all and i i don't like the layout like it's it's a small room
1: no and what's behind this little wall is that where the bathroom is
0: I don't know if that's the bathroom or if that's the entrance, because there's, like, the two beds, and then there's this protruding wall that either leads to the bathroom or it might be the entrance to the room. Um, the only, and, that, and this picture is taken from the site today.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Like, so
0: when you go to book a room, this is what you're looking at for room 37.
1: No, those old-ass chairs are just asking for a ghost <laughs> to come sit in it. That is so... And it's not even scary looking. It's just creepy because it looks so old and outdated.
0: Yes. And I i mean, I guess that was the style they're going for because they they do Good
1: job. try
0: to have the classic style to the hotel. Um, but, so, but a couple of the guests that are most commonly seen in this room and a few places elsewhere on the grounds. R.V. Weston was a guest who fell off a horse in a nearby stream and died. I don't know if he drowned in the stream. Again, there was not a lot of detail on his death. But
1: you said he fell off a horse? Yes. Streams really aren't that deep, right? At least- I was thinking
0: that too, so I don't think he drowned. I think it had to be the fall that killed him. Or he could have
1: like hit his head and then passed out Mm -hmm. and
0: drowned. Maybe. Um, But again, I could not find details on the death. Um, Some people reported seeing the little boy who drowned in the swimming pool in the room, but the most active ghost and one of the most commonly seen, especially in room 37, is Sarah Cloyd. She was a member of the Cloyd family who had come to Red Boiling Springs for its healing waters to treat what may have been an appendicitis, but unfortunately it was too late.
1: Well, I don't think that would have helped at all anyway.
0: No, absolutely not. It just probably did not help in general. No. Sarah is believed to be a very mischievous child. While she's played with some kids, people have often reported seeing her hold her stomach like she's in pain. And she will tug on them, tap them on their shoulders and not be there, or just sometimes hear her laughter. That
1: is... So
0: creepy. So there's another site on the ground that is said to be haunted and this is the Pentecostal Church Across the Road.
1: Well, I believe that.
0: It's abandoned now and no longer in use and kind of falling apart. In fact, there is a... It's not really a petition and it's definitely not a GoFundMe but it's kind of like a campaign that's online for this church to help restore it and part of the way they have to do that is to knock knocked down half of it, rebuild it um, and they just want to restore it for its historic value. Is there a graveyard on site? I don't believe they mentioned one. I think it just might be the church, which mm-hmm. usually, you know, some, well, not all churches have graveyards, so. No, that's true. Um, I, d- I probably should have took a picture of it, but I mean, it's literally just looks like a white building, a really old white building that is decrepit.
1: There are plenty of those around
0: here. <laughs> yes, so we've we've seen our share. Witnesses who have been interviewed claim to have had several experiences on the property, but believe that the Pentecostal church across the road possesses a negative energy. They have found candles and chalk chalk, in the church. I'm going to start
1: calling chalk, chalk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Candles and chalk in the church, which they believe signals that rituals may have been performed there. And it is said that a preacher hung himself in the church. Oh. Mm-hmm. Michelle Bellinger, I believe it's how it's pronounced, is a psychic medium who was called to help investigate this church. She was blindfolded, taken aside the church, and with a sweep, she confirmed that while it was a Pentecostal church, there may not have been snake handling, but worshippers spoke in tongue and were taken over by the Spirit. And she says, while the church was established with the best intentions, somewhere along the way, it went in the wrong direction.
1: How
0: many times have we heard that story? She seemed to affirm that young people Visited the church to intentionally perform satanic rituals, hence the candles and chalk. And that the church and hotel were definitely connected because there's an intersection between the two. And it's also got kind of them across the road.
1: Yeah, you can <laughs> literally look out the window and see it.
0: When investigating inside the hotel, Bellinger said that she believes that the years of investigating and people flocking to the hotel for the haunting experiences have irritated the spirits, which may be why the energy has turned dark and negative over the past few years. She also warned that there is a spirit that may become violent like a wild erratic animal.
1: Like, she, the bear, that was there. That is yes. what it was. maybe it's
0: the spirit of the bear. Even though there's no reports of the bear dying on the ground, it probably, when it did die, was like, I'm going to go wreck this place up. Well, no, there also was no
1: reports of it escaping chain.
0: True, true. <laughs> we just don't know what happened to the bear. If anyone knows, let us know. <laughs> yes. So, she drew the name of the elemental from her sweep. I can't even begin to pronounce it. It's like, Roth. I couldn't find a pronunciation. And the people who, like, there was a crew, because I believe this might have been done on one of the shows. um, They looked it up, and they thought the word translated to money laundering. But there was one sassy commenter who commented that it actually is an Estonian word that means greenwashing or eco-deception in the presentation of environmentally harmful activities to the public in a positive way. And he gave an example, such as advertising the Red Spring water is good for you, but actually killed people.
1: I mean, that makes more sense than money laundering.
0: (laughs) Yes, because there was no record that I could find and no one, nothing I read or anything I watched did not mention any money laundering. So today it actually still thrives as a hotel owned by the Thomas family. It brings lots of tourists like it always did. However, there's not a cult anymore.
1: That's Um, good.
0: As I mentioned, you know, that picture came from the website that where you would go to book a room today. And it gained notoriety in the early half of the early 2010s when it became the subject of several TV shows that investigate paranormal activity. And the shows that have episodes on them are Paranormal State, which I have watched, Portals to Hell, which I've also watched, and Ghost Hunters, which I'm familiar with. But honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of them anymore. No,
1: because that's where they just go in and
0: taunt them, right? Um. That's also kind of ghost adventures, but okay,
1: okay, okay. (laughs)
0: Ghost Hunters has some controversy that they might have set up their evidence. Are they like the Pennsylvania
1: based ones?
0: I honestly can't remember.
1: I I used to
0: watch a bunch of them. Yes, same. Like, I used to watch a lot of Ghost Hunters. I think I've seen every paranormal state um, episode, Portals to Hell. I've seen some here and there, but today they have a buffet for their guests to stay, and this is probably pre pandemic. Um, They have a little stage where they do plays, and they have live music. Um, So it's a very successful business for the Thomas family who own it. And one of the owners today, you know, she's a little sad that she's not met Sarah Cloyd yet. She wants Sarah to appear to her. But guests are still reporting that sometimes they see the little girl.
1: I mean, I don't want to go see a ghost child or be scratched (laughs) or have my hair pulled or have someone, like, whispering to me. That is the creepiest thing possible. Yes. Unless you're expecting a whisper, you don't want to hear a whisper.
0: Exactly. But by all means, the hotel's operating as a successful hotel. You know, hopefully the pandemic did not hurt that too much.
1: No, I mean, especially with things opening back up, they're probably going to... Mm -hmm. I think if anything hurt, it would be the way that it's decorated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the story of the Thomas House Hotel.
1: At least most of the ghosts, it seems, aren't too damaging. Although I'm convinced that the spirit that could turn aggressive is the bear
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes and it's like i i've been thinking about the past two stories that i did this one and the devil's tramping ground i'm like okay we're kind of starting out a little easy everything's not like really spooky yet but i also imagine being in that hotel in the middle of the night
1: and then you see that
0: little girl holding her stomach or at
1: the foot of your bed yeah hearing somebody
0: or someone scratches you or you pull your hair
1: (laughs) (laughs) no thank you
0: What What do you have for us today?
1: Have you ever heard of the nose job murder?
0: I have not.
1: Okay. So, this is the case of Brian Poston and Shana Hubers. And I Mm -hmm. actually want to, um, I'm not a huge fan of 911 calls. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm going to play a 911 recording because this one, you do not hear anyone dying. So, it is not that this is the 911 call being reported. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. So I'm gonna play the 911 recording, and then I want you to tell me what you think of it after you hear it all in its entirety. Okay. I'm calling
0: 911. Ma'am, I
3: have, I have not um, um, I, I, I killed my boyfriend in self-defense. Okay, where are you at? I'm at 12 Meadow Lane, Highland Heights, Kentucky. Four one zero seven six. Okay, 12 Meadow Lane. Are you in a house? you or something. Outside almost right now, but I'm gonna the line with you, okay? When they when they tell me to, what we When they tell me to, what I'm gonna tell you to do is walk to the door with your hands up because we want you to come out safely, okay? that's okay. why I'm staying on line with you. Ma'am, I don't. I'm just a dispatcher. I'm nothing but a dispatcher, so I can't tell you. My job is. To
1: your
0: thoughts on that there's a lot there
1: yeah
0: um, the, the echo is really terrible was that really on their end or... yeah 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 that okay. was the
1: 911
0: um call so there was one part where in part due to the echo um and other part due to her i mean i guess she was
1: crying
0: but it almost sounded like laughter it, it was very hard to distinguish what she was doing and that just might be the bad audio um
1: yeah it uh the audio was not great on that, and I apologize on that. But her crying definitely did not sound...
0: It doesn't uh, sound legit because... It sounded forced. Yes, and there were times... Because you like usually when you cry, you can't sound as clear as she would sometimes sound, especially when she was asking about herself.
1: Yes, exactly. So that's one of the things that I noticed when I first heard that, is that she would begin to cry, but then immediately be able to pull it back together and speak very clearly.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: something else is the fact that she said that she shot him multiple times. Yes. And even the 911 is like, um, you shot him again instead of calling 911.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That was a... Uh, I think even that shocks the 911 operator. Because you have to think about everything that they hear and how calm they are. And so for her to question that, I was like, oh, like, that's not something you hear every day.
0: No, it's... And and it was kind of, you know, she's already claiming self-defense too, which I think was a big red flag.
1: That was the uh, first thing that she said. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, um, ma'am, I, I shot my boyfriend in self-defense. Yes. The first thing that she says, not that I need help. We mm-hmm. need help. Someone's been shot. I shot my boyfriend in self-defense.
0: And just as myself watching all those, like, legal shows, which I'm not a legal person, but, like, one thing I've learned, like, self-defense is more, and I even took some self-defense classes, you subdue the enemy so you can get away. Exactly. You don't, you don't inflict more harm when they're down.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the person making the call was Shayna Hubers, and the person that she shot was Ryan Poston, her mm-hmm. on-again, off-again boyfriend, for about 18 months.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, I want to give you a little bit of background about Shana and Ryan. Ryan was born on December 30th, 1982, in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, to an old and affluent family. He was extremely intelligent and driven as a child, even studying at the International School of Manila in the Philippines and at the International School of Geneva in Switzerland during high school. When he graduated, he triple majored in history, political science, and geography at the University of Indiana. Yeah, super smart. That's...
0: A triple major is no joke.
1: No, and especially including history and political science in that. um, Once he graduated, he began attending the law school at the University of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He was extremely bright, kind, and extremely handsome. (laughs) Um, When you see pictures of him, he is extremely attractive. Uh Uh-huh. He was extremely (laughs) close with his family. And actually, when he was younger, his mother lisa and his father jay got divorced and she remarried peter carter and together they had three daughters Mm -hmm. and lisa and jay his biological parents basically came together included peter and ryan had essentially two fathers Um, that's awesome a quote from ryan's father jay lisa peter and i share our deep love for ryan we also also share a belief that although a child may come from a broken marriage, that does not necessitate he should be raised in a broken home. To that end, we came together as a family. When Ryan was a young boy, and I would take him to the movies, often his sister would join us. To the girls, I was simply Uncle Jay. When Lisa, Peter, and the children moved overseas, I was always a welcomed guest in their home. They came to my family's uh, to my family's parties, and we went to theirs. So he basically had two fathers and in fact he and his stepfather were so close mm-hmm. that he legally changed his middle name from christopher to carter
0: uh-huh wow
1: and gave the document showing that his name had been changed to his stepfather on his birthday oh just a very um
0: it sounds like a great example of co-parenting yeah and and, and including the other person as well
1: yeah and the fact that his biological father and his stepfather were like his step his father did not have any issues with ryan having another mm-hmm. father i mean it was just another person to love your child yeah Dad, why would you not want that mm-hmm. um, and because the divorce does not have to be a bad thing and i think the fact that his parents were like adult enough to say this is not working for us but it should not affect our child mm-hmm. That was huge. That was huge. And I think that goes to show how he was raised and the uh-huh. kind of person that he was turning into because of his family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, at the time of his murder, he was a practicing attorney in Cincinnati, Ohio, but he lived in Highland Heights, Kentucky, which is only about seven miles from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He was extremely successful, Friendly. he had great friends, great family. A great practice. He was doing great things and he was going to do great things. Um, Shayna Hubers was born on April 8th, 1991, in Lexington, Kentucky. She didn't grow up in a wealthy family like Ryan did, mm-hmm. but she lived a more middle class lifestyle. Her mom was a teacher. I couldn't find a lot about her father, but her mother was a teacher. Shayna also was described as extremely bright, intelligent, and beautiful. I mean, when you look at pictures of these people, they are supermodel attractive. They oh. are extremely beautiful. Um, she was also driven to succeed. She received a number of academic awards and was involved in drama. Um, I watched a Forty Eight Hours episode about this case, mm-hmm. and Peter Van Zant speaks with one of Shayna's childhood friends and asks her what she thought Shayna was like growing up, and she said that Shayna was really smart, really ambitious so beautiful, and a little bit dramatic. Mm-hmm. Now, she was involved in the arts a lot. She has an amazing voice. Um, and he asked her if Shayna was a good actress because she was involved in drama. And her, I thought it was kind of funny because her friend said, well, she thought she was. Oh, <laughs> which <no. laughs> I was like, probably mean she wasn't. Which we will find out later on. She is not a good actress.
0: No, well, I mean... Um, <laughs>
1: So, she was on the Dean's List while attending University of Kentucky, majoring in psychology. She graduated cum laude, finishing her bachelor's degree within three years in the spring of 2012. Very nice. And she actually was um, in grad school at the University of Kentucky, getting her master's in school counseling. Mm-hmm. So, they both were extremely bright, intelligent people. Uh, Ryan was already, you know... Beginning his living, his life, he yes. was doing what he wanted to do. He had his own practice, he mm-hmm. was doing what he wanted to do. And Shayna was headed down that direction,
0: yes. So I mean, she finished college early, that's no joke, yeah. Either.
1: Within three years, and already a amas- uh, math mm-hmm. getting her master's. So, in the spring of 2011, Ryan and Shayna met on Facebook. She was actually a friend of his cousin Carissa's mm-hmm. and Ryan saw her picture and I guess asked Carissa to introduce the two of them. Um, and then shortly after meeting Ryan and Shayna began dating at the time, Ryan was 28 and Shayna was 19. And I know that's a big age difference, mm-hmm. but you would think that they did have a lot in common because they are so bright, intelligent and driven like uh-huh. that. A lot of times is a common ground for, couples yes when you have something to talk about she was still in grad school he Mm -hmm. is living his life uh, with that his own practice in cincinnati Um, and because she was in grad school at the university of kentucky she is about 80 miles away from ryan's condo in highland heights Um, but despite their initial attraction things quickly begin to deteriorate between between ryan and shayna But it wasn't just a simple, this isn't working type of breakup. Ryan and Shayna were on again, off again for 18 months. Um, Michelle Snodgrass was the prosecuting attorney in the case, and she said that it wasn't just an on again, off again breakup. It was a complete roller coaster, and it truly was. I think we've all had those kind of relationships where you both know, like, it probably isn't working, but it Mm -hmm. lasts a little bit longer than it should.
0: Yes. Like, you want it, you think you want it to work, but you end up hating all the drama that comes with it.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, it, hopefully, you're at that stage where you can be mature enough to say, this is not working. And both parties accept that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, that happened, it's done. However, this was not the case. During those 18 months, Ryan tried repeatedly to break things off with Shayna. Um, and they actually had both made remarks to their friends that things really just were not working out. Shayna had indicated to one of her friends in a text message that Ryan was only with her because he feels so bad about it when she cries, when he tries to break up with her.
0: But if she knew that, why wouldn't she be like, just go?
1: <laughs> well, and it, I think it's an immaturity thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you, uh, eventually when we watched the interrogation video... Very immature. I mm-hmm. mean, and she's 19 at the time. Okay, I see what
0: you're saying. She's still 19. Or even if she's just like 20, because they didn't date for that long, right?
1: No, she was 19 at the time, 20 ish, 21. But also, she's in one of the interviews that I watched with one of her friends. Shayna grew up middle class, and they said that Shayna always wanted something more. She mm-hmm. wanted to marry a doctor or a lawyer. hmm. And well, while I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting more, no. I think it's a positive thing that you want to better yourself. I think Shayna didn't just want to better herself, she wanted to marry into that and mm-hmm. have that for her, which is fine if that's how it works out, but that's not how this was working out. No. Ryan was saying, like, it's not working. We're not going to be together. We need to end it. And mm-hmm. she could not. Um, and. So, she said that he he told her that he was only with her because he felt bad when she cried. And Ryan's friends and family all expressed that he was extremely kind. And he truly did not want to hurt her feelings.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, when she would start crying, he'd be like, oh, okay, you know. Um, Initially, Ryan's family kind of felt bad for Shayna and thought that maybe she had just fallen in love with the wrong person. And didn't know how to let it go.
2: Uh
1: I mean, granted, 19 is not young. But... When you have that kind of personality where she kind of latched on to the person that she was with, it it can be hard to let go because she probably was like, here is my chance to get what I want because Mm -hmm. he is 28 years old, 29 years old. He is a practicing attorney. He has his own practice. This is what I want. Mm -hmm. So it was probably super difficult for her to let go. But instead of saying, hey, you know what? He's being nice to me. He's saying this isn't working. He's not... Being nasty to me, which a lot of times breakups turn out that way, yes. and they don't have to. Um, but she couldn't let it go. And eventually her behavior became more and more obsessive the longer she and Ryan went back and forth oh, in their
4: no. relationship.
1: Um, for the better part of 2020, or 2012, got 2020 was just... <laughs> it's still got its hold on huh right? me. Um, so for the better part of 2012... Shayna would repeatedly show up at Ryan's condo and refuse to leave. Now, mind you, she's still attending the University of Kentucky, so that's 80 miles away. It wasn't just a quick trip down the road to see how her ex-boyfriend was doing. She had to drive an hour and a half, two hours to get there, and she would just do it. Not invited, she would mm-hmm. just show up.
0: Mm, that's, that's such a red flag.
1: Yeah, and, it, again, it's not one of those things that you, well, I mean, I guess you would think about it. But in the beginning, it's kind of just like she's having a really hard time letting go. And mm-hmm. then it keeps happening. Actually, in February of 2012, Ryan had sent Shayna a message stating that she could tell people that she broke up with him. And I think it felt like that would make things easier for her. If people thought she was the one that was leaving him. Because he was so successful. He came from an extremely wealthy mm-hmm. family. They were very well established. And so he thought maybe that would make it easier. However, in part of Shayna's response that she wrote back was that she loved him so much more than he deserved. And I'm just...
0: Another red flag.
1: Yeah. He he did not say that he loved you. He's he's wanting to break up with you mm-hmm. and it's just like she's holding on to him when he's saying this is not working. Let's end it. Mm-hmm. So he also tried several times throughout March and April to make it clear to Shayna that they were over. He actually expressed in a text message to his cousin Carissa that Shayna's behavior was becoming Restraining order level crazy. She's shown up at my condo like three times and refuses to leave each time.
0: I just don't know how you deal with someone like that because in part, knock on wood, I've not had that experience.
1: Well, I mean, and you're telling her, and she's being kind about yeah. it. He's being kind. He's not being nasty. And a lot of people have asked why didn't Ryan actually get a restraining mm-hmm. order against Shayna because she's continuously showing up at his home. Mm-hmm. She will not leave him alone
0: and she's uninvited. She's
1: uninvited um but actually in Kentucky at the time for you to get a restraining order, you had to meet certain criteria. You had to either have lived be living with that person or have lived with that person or be married to that person to get a restraining order. And those situations were not applicable to Ryan and China's relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're still extremely hard to get because you have to prove that there's a threat and oftentimes I feel like the police will be like, well, if someone just shows up, as long as they're not hurting you or threatening you, there's no threat. They can be on public grounds wherever they want to be.
1: Well, I I mean, in this, like, people can be stalked without being married to that person Mm -hmm. or living with that person. Yes, absolutely. those are pretty strict criteria to be able to meet in Mm -hmm. order to get a standing order and that's really scary Especially when you're in that situation. Um, even though at one point Shayna did get a key to his condo, they did not live together. And Ryan had actually told her, don't even worry about bringing me my key back. Just throw it away. Forget about mm-hmm. it. Basically, I don't want to see you do not come here.
0: Did he change the locks?
1: He did not change the locks. Ugh. But again, it's one of those things, like, that was his home. Yeah. And the fact that you are having to go through all these steps because the person that you're Telling, I don't want to be with you. We're not going to be together. Cannot leave it alone. That's not really something that he should have to do. No, Shana absolutely should accept not. accept it, that mm-hmm. we're not together. Um,
0: you need to do what he said, throw way the key or mail it.
1: Yeah. Um, in March, after about a hundred text messages from Shana within a Ooh. nine hour period, without a single response from Ryan, he responded saying, stop texting me. I no longer have the patience to deal with you. Mm -hmm. And again, he's not even being nasty in that. No, I mean.
0: It's a very stern stop.
1: 100 text messages in nine hours. Far too much. No.
0: 100 too many.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And he's not responding. I mean, what was she doing that whole, I mean, and that's scary. That is scary when Mm -hmm. someone is thinking that hard about you. And like, you know, that that is obsessive. That is obsessive is. It is exactly what that is. And that is very scary. In April, Ryan reached out to a friend saying that Shayna had shown up at his house and that he literally had to pick her up and throw her into the hall to remove her. And so his condo is not like your typical, you have an outdoor entrance. It's uh-huh. almost like an apartment where you walk into a foyer and then there are doors there.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So
1: it's not like, you know, everybody has their separate entrance, which I mean, you don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, there's, like, yes.
0: a little hallway for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh gosh, are they called condominiums? Is that where they're all together in the same building?
1: Maybe. Maybe that's what it yeah. is. So, on one occasion, Ryan actually went to his dad's house to spend the night. Mm-hmm. And when his dad opened the door, he saw Ryan standing on the steps holding an overnight bag. And Ryan told him that Shayna had shown up and would not leave. Um, and his dad was told him, Ryan, that's your house. Yes, you should be able to make her leave. Um, but Ryan just told him it's easier this way, and so he spent the night at his dad's. And all throughout the night, his dad heard the pinging of Ryan's phone, blink being blown up by text messages from Shayna.
0: That's ridiculous. All night long.
1: Ken Holly, an attorney in the same building where Ryan's practice was located, and mm-hmm. his assistant Laurie Zimmerman, said that Shayna would show up at his practice. If she called his cell phone and couldn't get him and she called his office phone and she couldn't get him, she would just show up at his job and refuse to leave until she spoke to him. Wow. It,
0: what, what? Does she not have a life? Which, at this point, she probably doesn't. It's him.
1: Which is scary, too. I mean, mm-hmm. she's in grad school. That takes a lot to get into grad school, and she's spending so much time over this period of these months trying to get back with someone who does not want to be with her. And I don't think it's one of those situations where he was reaching out to her No. and saying, let's get back together. He would ignore her. He would ignore her and she would blow his phone Mm -hmm. up. In fact, for every 50 to 100 text messages Shana sent, Ryan would respond one time.
0: Yes. Probably telling her to stop in some form.
1: Yeah. I mean, when, because this does go to trial, when it goes to trial, there were hundreds between 50,000 and 100,000 text messages in an 18 month period,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and most of them were from Shayna. Um, and he, he told Ryan because or Ken asked Ryan, like, what is happening? Why are you not doing something? And he said that Ryan was just so defeated and so worn down with his relationship with Shayna that it was just easier to give in. Rather than, than argue back with her.
0: Oh, I, I hate that he got to that point where he felt that way.
1: Well, she she didn't have any respect for his boundaries. Mm-hmm. Actually, later on in court testimony, she would admit to hacking into his Facebook account.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she would block other women and read his messages. She actually had sent a text message to one of her friends that Ryan had caught her going through his phone. Huh. Um, she, I mean, every line that he said, she would cross it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it doesn't seem to be a situation where he's leading her on. He's telling her to stop. He oh, yeah, he's he made it clear. Yeah, he told her he didn't want to be with her, and she could not let it go. Um, and it really seemed that the more that she began to realize this wasn't going to go anywhere, the harder she tried, and the angrier it made her. Mm-hmm. Um, in that forty-eight hours episode. There is an interview with one of Ryan's friends, and she, her friend, his friend, Ally said that when Shayna realized that Ryan was not going to give her the life that she wanted, that became a huge problem for Shayna, and she could not, not have that. Um, and so even though her behavior is. Beyond obsessive, Ryan never expressed to his friends that her behavior was violent.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: However, in a Facebook message he sent to his friend Allie in August, um, or September, he said that Shayna is literally the probably the craziest effing person I have ever oh. met. She almost scares me. Wow. And he honestly probably was afraid. Yeah. Um, because he's tried letting her down easy, and she's mm-hmm. not stopping. Um, he ignored her and she kept showing up
0: yeah she's showing up everywhere he He, goes
1: he couldn't get a restraining order and also i think here that there's that stereotype of men cannot be involved in um stalker type situations
0: Mm -hmm, unless they're the stalker
1: yeah and ryan was a big guy he was six three two hundred pounds and shane is not a a, you know she's tiny she Mm -hmm. was like a hundred and twenty pounds by three, she's not a big person, and so I think there is that stereotype where women can't stalk men mm-hmm. or a man should be able to protect himself mm-hmm. and even later on, his father would say, looking back, if Ryan had been his daughter and Shayna had been the male uh in the situation. That her behavior would have been seen as a lot more threatening than they saw it. Absolutely. And things would have been handled a lot differently. Mm hmm. Um, and so I mean, there's all these red flags that are coming up, but again, nobody thought that it would go where it would go. Ken Holly, his um, the attorney in the building with him, said that everybody there knew Shayna could cause a scene. They had all seen her cause uh-huh. a scene, but nobody thought that she was capable of murder. So in a message to Shayna and uh to Shayna in August, Ryan expressed to her that she probably needed more attention and affection than he could give her. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to give her it now. He is trying to make it yeah. as easy he doesn't want to hurt her. And again he you know, maybe should have been more aggressive, saying like please you know, please stop is not even aggressive enough. No. And I don't mean aggressive as in getting physical.
0: Mhm. Progressive as as in, like, if you show up again, I'm I'm going to call the the police.
1: And that's not any... In a message to Shayna in August, Ryan even told her that he thought that she needed more attention and more affection than he could give her. Mm -hmm. But that still did not deter her. And for me, I remember being in college and meeting someone that I thought was like, Oh, this person, like, checks every box that I want. Uh Uh-huh. But he made it very clear, like... This is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so even though I was like, man, Leo, that really sucks because I really liked him. Yeah. It was like, why are you going to spend that much time going after someone that has made it clear they don't want you? In fact, he's telling you, like, you need more than I can give you. And if mm-hmm. someone's saying that I can't give you what you need or what you want, back away. Yes. Stop. But that didn't deter her. And on October 1st, Ryan and Shayna had actually gone to the shooting range. Which was a way that Ryan really enjoyed spending his time. He was a gun enthusiast. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of guns in his apartment. It was actually a two-bedroom apartment. Uh-huh. And in his second bedroom, there was a wall that he had hung all his ties on, which mm-hmm. they were, like, color-coordinated on. Oh. And then he also had an artillery vest hanging. Oh. Like, he he was a very big gun enthusiast. Mm-hmm. However, he was also, by all accounts, an extremely responsible gun owner. He had his concealed carry license. Uh-huh. And basically everybody that knew him that said that his, what he did when he came home from work was he would take his gun off and lay it on his dining room table. Which was fine. He lived alone. He didn't have kids, so he didn't have to worry about mm-hmm. a kid coming by and picking it up. It was just him. Even his ex-girlfriend there, I watched a 2020 episode, and... He had a long-time girlfriend. Uh-huh. Um, and they had just recently broken up a couple months before he met Shayna And she expressed that she and Ryan went to the gun range. And he took her there and he told her, I want you to know how to shoot a gun. I want you to know how power- powerful and how dangerous they can be. So he wanted her to be smart about it. He didn't want her just to pick pick up a gun. Because she could hurt herself, she could hurt somebody else. But during that trip to the shooting range... Shayna texted a friend stating something along the lines that she wanted to turn around and shoot Ryan uh. and make it look like an accident. Or pretend that it was an accident. Something to that effect.
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: this was on October 1st. And her friend didn't really think anything of it. Because Shayna, again, was extremely dramatic. Uh-huh. Very dramatic. And so her saying she's going to shoot him apparently was no big deal.
0: I mean, if someone had texted me that, even though if I believed that they were joking, I'd be like, then what are you doing there?
1: Yeah, it's not a funny joke. No. Joking about killing somebody is never funny. No. Especially... I think, and this is not saying anything bad about Shayna's friends or Ryan's friends for not doing anything mm-hmm. because they are not responsible for what Shayna did. Absolutely not. I would just hope that I would say something.
0: Mm hmm.
1: You know, and again, that's not saying anything bad about them because you honestly don't know what you would do if your friend said something like that to you. You could think, like, this is probably what I would do, but you don't necessarily know. Mm hmm. About a week and a half later, on October 11th, Ryan and Shayna had dinner at his parents' house, and then stayed to watch the vice presidential debate uh-huh. because Ryan was also very big into politics. He loved debating. Actually, in I think it was a 2020 episode that I watched. <laughs> they interviewed um, two of his friends, and they were saying like when they would go out to a bar,
4: mm-hmm.
1: Ryan could talk about anything, and he loved debating. Uh-huh. One of his friends actually kind of described him as a nerd <laughs> because he. He was extremely intelligent and he could have a conversation with you and discuss things that you had nothing, no idea about, but he wouldn't make you feel stupid. Like mm-hmm. you would leave and you're like, "Oh, I learned something from this and he didn't make me feel like an idiot because I didn't know." <laughs> Which again, speaks volumes about the kind of person yes. that he was. And it didn't seem like it... It didn't matter what your political affiliation was. Like, he would talk to you and have a...
0: Conversation. Like, a a grown-up conversation. Yeah, a
1: conversation. And you both would leave feeling heard and not Mm -hmm. disrespected. Earlier in that week, Ryan had told Shana that he was not going to see her the following weekend. And again, it's one of those things where he's been trying to break up with her off and on. And at some point during that evening... Ryan had expressed to his stepfather that he was ending things for good with Shayna. It was done, it was over. And he actually had a date the next day on October 12th with former Miss Ohio Audrey Bolte. Oh. <laughs> and his stepfather's advice was to be direct but be kind. Mm-hmm. And again, just goes to show the kind of people they were because Shayna has been obsessing over him for essentially 18 months. And he's still telling him to be nice when he breaks up with her. Because they were just good people. They were just kind people. So the fact that Ryan is continuing to be kind to her, because Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, he, you know, it sounds like he was leading her on. I don't think that was the case. Ryan was just being really nice. Mm -hmm. He was being really kind. And then Shayna and Ryan went back to his condo. About 3 a.m. on the morning of October 12th, Shayna's mother, Sharon, received a call from Shayna. And Shayna was upset and she was crying and she kind of had alluded to the fact that she and Ryan got into some kind of argument. Uh-huh. And she wanted to see her mom. In the interview with her mother, their relationship is weird and not like a sexual weird kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like a her mom still thinks Shayna is three years old kind of way. Oh. Like it's just it's odd, it's weird and it seeing how her mother speaks about Shayna
4: mm-hmm.
1: when you hear Shayna speak or you watch that interrogation video, you're like, Oh, okay, like I could kinda see where Shayna thinks that everything is going to go her way.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Because her mom kind of made it seem like Shayna should always get her way.
4: Oh okay, goodness.
1: Um, nice. So her mom drove eighty miles in the middle of the night to Go see Shayna and arrives at Ryan's condo at about five o'clock in the morning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when she arrived, Ryan was asleep in his bedroom and Shayna was sitting on the couch. Shayna didn't want to leave, she just wanted her mom to come there and.
0: Which is weird because she wanted to see her mom. She should have went to see her mom.
1: She had her mom come and she just wanted to sit there with her mom and having her feet in her mom's lap. That's weird, right? Yes. And the fact that her mom drove. Yes, the
0: fact that her mom went.
1: Well, I think it's her mom possibly thought Shayna was in trouble Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: Shayna was crying and she was upset. And she actually, when her mom arrived, Shayna was kind of holding onto her left arm like it was hurt. Uh Uh-huh. But she didn't say anything and she didn't want to leave. So, they both just, like, fell asleep on Ryan's couch. And when he woke up in the morning, <laughs> Shana and her mom was asleep we're on on the couch. couch.
0: Wow. That's... Which, why? I don't... I don't understand none of that. And I really just don't understand why the... I mean, I guess if she thought her child was in trouble, I, I kind of understand going, but they weren't... Were they living together at the time? No, they
1: were not living together. And if she thought her child was in trouble... Like I feel like your parent would work harder to get you out of that. Yeah, situation. go now,
0: retrieve her, not stay yeah, with her.
1: Granted, she's an adult, she can't make her leave. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Shayna did not want to leave. Mm-hmm. Shayna wanted you stay there and her mom's like, Okay. <laughs> so Ryan goes to work and instead of Shayna going back to Lexington with her mom. Which, if she was in a fight with him, if he was being abusive towards her, Mm -hmm. he's not trying to make her stay. No. He's telling her to To go. go. And she's choosing to stay there. Mm -hmm. So, I do not believe for one second that her arm was hurt by Ryan. No. So, he goes to work. Instead of going back to Lexington with her mom, she and her mom spend the day shopping. However, while she's shopping with her mother... She's texting Ryan saying that her mom had actually taken her to the hospital for an EKG and that she was either, she either had or she was being treated for left ventric- ventricular hy- hypertrophy. Um, but it was later shown in court that as Shayna was texting Ryan telling him that she had left ventricular hypertrophy, she was actually Googling symptoms for that. Oh. And the medicine she should possibly, like, she could be on if she actually had that. Mm-hmm. You know, and she, I think she's doing that to try to get attention.
0: Absolutely. Saying,
1: you know, please, please feel bad for me. I'm mm-hmm. sick. Ryan didn't respond, like.
0: Good. As- you he did patient- what he should have. Just don't give well, her any attention. Well, I think
1: he knows, like. She's being dramatic, and mm-hmm. I don't think that he actually thought that she had something wrong with her, no. which she didn't. That day at work, Ryan had actually told receptionist Lori Zimmerman about his date with Audrey that night, and mm-hmm. Lori said that he was super excited. He was so excited. Um, but Lori knew the kind of relationship that he had with Shayna, and she was actually pretty worried about him. And she told him, like, "Change your locks, call the cops. Yes. I'm worried about what Shayna is going to do." And the last thing that Ryan ever said to her was not to worry about it, that he could handle it. Mm-hmm. And then at 8.53 p.m. that night, Shayna called 911 to report that she had just shot her boyfriend in self-defense. When Officer Dave Fornash and his partner arrived on the scene, they did have Shayna come out of Ryan's condo with her hands up and made her lay on the ground. Um, and when they entered the apartment, they found Ryan Poston laying dead in his dining room four, covered in blood. Um, Shayna was taken to the police station because she had just admitted to shooting yes. Ryan. So regardless of whether or not it was done in self defense, she had shot him. hmm Um upon arriving at the station she was read her Miranda rights and she immediately asked for an attorney. Which is a good thing to do, regardless of whether or not True. you're innocent or guilty, always ask for an attorney. Mm-hmm. Because even if you're innocent, like you don't know like the common person does not know all legal terms. No. And so, it's nice to have that. It's a smart thing to Mm -hmm. have legal advice.
0: You're absolutely right.
1: I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to do anything illegal. But if I got arrested, I would ask for an attorney. Mm -hmm. So, because she requested an attorney, she was no longer able to be questioned without her attorney present. Uh However, Shayna Hubers starts talking and she does not shut up for (laughs) almost three hours. Oh, my God. In fact... Officers were taking turns going into their room so they did not get burned out. They did not want to be in there. They at one point, an officer or someone from the jail comes in to sit with her, and she's like, Are they gonna arrest me? And he's like, I don't know. They just told me to come in here and sit with you. <laughs> oh, no.
0: He He's probably like he was probably like one of the newer peoples or cadets, I should say. I not mean peoples. they had
1: they were all coming in and not one time. In this three hour period, is Shana ask a question?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, in fact, th- she doesn't even give them time to talk. Now, she's showing some concern, but she's showing concern for herself. Mm-hmm. She asks questions like Do you get to shower in jail or do you just get like really dirty? What? Do I get to keep my phone in jail? At one point, she comments on an officer's teeth and how white they are and asks if they had had orthodontia.
0: Orthodontia.
1: Yes, (laughs) she. It's her interrogate. Like it's not even interrogation. The video of her sitting in this room, running her mouth for three hours, is the craziest thing Mm -hmm. that I have ever seen. It is absolutely ridiculous. All right. So since she had asked for an attorney, Mm -hmm. she was read her Miranda rights. Like I said. Um, and she still continued to talk literally for almost three hours. Oh my goodness. And they, like I said, they were going in, taking turns, so they wouldn't get burned out. Mm-hmm. But from the get go, her behavior was really, really odd. Aside from asking those stupid questions to the officers, <laughs> just her be- behavior in general. It was not the typical behavior of someone that had killed their partner in self defense. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I want to believe victims because. You're not always going to see all the bruises that someone puts on you. Absolutely. However, if she had just gotten beaten up and had been thrown around the room, like, you would expect not her behavior. hmm So, generally, when someone requests an attorney, they keep their lips shut tightly until their attorney arrives. And as soon as Shana requested an attorney, Officer Fornash, who was the officer who showed up on the scene, um, he informed her that he's unable to ask her any further questions. But before he can finish his paperwork, he asked Shayna her name, and then he asked her the victim's name. And she said, who? The man that I killed? Ryan Carter Post. And like really standoffish, like Ryan had done something to deserve being Mm -hmm. shot. And so when he finished his paperwork and he was leaving the room, she appears to begin to sob. And it's like this really weird, like like Uh crying sound. But literally the minute he closes the door, she stops. And I wanna show you because it is <laughs> so crazy. When I saw this I was just like, I what am I watching? What am I seeing?
0: Did she not think she would need to like at least be continuing or acting or sounding like she was
1: coming off of it? Well, I mean no. Okay. I
3: will. <laughs> <laughs>
4: The minute he walks... Like, the
1: the minute he stopped, she, like, starts, like, picking at her fingernails.
0: She almost... That didn't even really sound, like, real crying. Like, I couldn't tell if she was laughing or crying. Well,
1: it's... Yeah, it's all an act. It's all Mm -hmm. an act. So bizarre. So bizarre. So, in another room in the police department, Chief Birkenhauer, um, he's watching this, like, live footage because apparently... She's stupid and doesn't realize that she's being recorded. Uh Uh-huh. And so when he sees this, he was just like, (laughs) "Uh, what happened? It was like a switch had gotten flipped. And it Mm -hmm. was really alarming. But anytime someone entered the room... She started speaking and telling her story of what happened. And all the while, Chief Birkenhauer is watching her like, oh my God, what am I seeing? (laughs) Because it's so, it's so crazy. So she just continued to describe what happened that evening. So when she's describing this, she, Uh when she will say something that's like off-putting or alarming that could possibly be used against her in court, she's automatically reminding them like, but what he said to me was so abusive. And Shayna was really disturbed by the fact that Ryan apparently called her a fucking hillbilly. And that really pissed her off.
0: I mean, I get it. It's offensive, but not offensive enough to kill someone over.
1: Well, I've been called a hillbilly before. Yes. That, it it be, happens
0: in our area. Who hasn't?
1: Being called a hillbilly... Is not the worst thing someone can say to you. No, it's certainly
0: not the worst thing I've been called.
1: No, I no. And he said she said that he told her that she was crazy, and everybody knew she was crazy, and that he hated her. And then she again repeated that he had been throwing her around the room. Mm-hmm. At one point, she describes the moment when she shot Ryan, saying that um, she picked the gun up off the table. And he was being verbally and emotionally harassing to her, so she shot him. So she was playing this out for the officer that was in the room, and the officer's just like, "Mm-hmm," because mm-hmm. the officer cannot ask her yeah. any questions because she's already what asked are they for an supposed
0: attorney. to
1: say? So she's just the officers just watching her play this out mm-hmm. from her reenactment. It looks like Ryan was like getting up out of his chair when she shot him, and then he fell back down so he was like starting like she said he's starting to stand up Uh like this and so she shot him Mm -hmm. and when he fell and she's playing this all out like reenacting this all for the officer so when he fell he just like fell back down into his chair and his face just like fell and hit the table and she said that he began twitching and moaning and fell out of the chair onto the floor and she reenacted that too and she's just like pretending to sob, and she stresses to the officer that she just cannot stand to see him twitch, so this is the point where Shayna said that she shot him a few more times, and it's never saying like i couldn't i didn't want him to suffer mm-hmm. i you know, it was I just couldn't stand to watch that yes it's just blowing my mind because if you like like you had said before, if you are shooting someone in self defense you you're going to shoot one time to stop them Mm
4: -hmm. and then you're gonna try to get get away
1: away. yeah and the fact that Shayna admits like and then i went and shot him a few more Mm -hmm. times that's showing premeditation on some part because he's not a threat to you anymore he's laying on the floor twitching and moaning and dying Mm -hmm. and you go and shoot him
0: and you instead of trying to get away from your abuser decided to hang out watch i don't know
1: yeah Yeah, and it's really obvious that the words that are coming out of her mouth are just completely made up, and Mm -hmm. she's just...
0: I mean, she's not even trying to help him either, because they have that established relationship where she could be like it was self-defense, but I still loved him, so I didn't want him to die.
1: Well, at one point, she even says, when she's in the interrogation, she's like... Even though it was, he was so abusive, like, I still loved him. Mm-hmm. And the officer, I don't know how the officers remain so calm. I mean, obviously, they're doing their job yes. like they're supposed to. They, because if they ask her a question, anything that she said in response could not be used in court. Mm-hmm. So, again, Chief Birkenhauer is watching this from another room. And he's, like, realizing that the story that she's telling to the officers in the interrogation room doesn't match up with what she told the 911 operator. Yep. Because she told the 911 operator that Ryan had the gun and she wrestled it away from him and then shot him. Mm -hmm. But in the interrogation room, she just blurted out like he was being verbally abusive to her and he was at the table and she picked it up and shot him. And then she tells one officer that she kind of feels bad about it, but she kind of doesn't, you know, because he was hitting her and throwing Mm -hmm. her around the room. And then she also tells this same officer. I felt so bad for this officer that's sitting in there with her. Because she tells the same officer that at one point in high school, she had met a woman who had been in prison and was a convicted felon. And I don't know if it's like through like scared straight or something like that. Uh-huh. But she knew a woman that had been in prison. Mm-hmm. And the woman told her that the women she got along best with when she was in jail or prison were the women that had killed their partners. And the officer just kind of like nodded her head like, Mhm. Okay, like <laughs> that's
0: not is- a life goal you want.
1: No. And then Shayna says, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned and kind of giggles. The amount of giggling she did mm-hmm. was disgusting. Self defense claim because it is it's jaw dropping to watch. It is. And then, as if her confession wasn't odd enough, she makes other statements that really throw the Mm -hmm. officers off. She tells one of the officers that she knew Ryan was going to die when he started twitching. Um, Or if he lived, he would have a very deformed face. And as she tells it, he was a very vain person. And one of the last conversations they had had that was good was Ryan asking her to ask one of her friends who was a dentist to give her veneers and then he wanted a nose job. And so she points at the middle of her face indicating like where she shot him cuz the first shot was to his head. And again like someone saying that they hate you. Mhm. Like you were stalking him. I would hate that yes. too. If he called you You didn't
0: have to listen. You could have left the house and you wouldn't have to heard him tell you that he hates you and call you a hillbilly.
1: Yes. Oh, I mean, she was just like, she really was not happy that he called her a hillbilly. Mm-hmm. And so when she's left alone in the room, she dances around. She's doing pirouettes. She sings Amazing Grace. And she can't sing very well. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, she can sing very well. Uh-huh. Very, very happy, you know, doing pirouettes. Like, <sighs> I mean,
0: why do... I don't yeah. understand, like, and I'm sure no one can understand, but just why would anyone in their right mind do that?
1: No. And at one point, like, an officer walks in to bring her water while she's singing. Mm-hmm. So she stops and says, thank you. And then she starts singing again when the officer leaves, like, she's auditioning for American Idol or something. Wow. It's bizarre and incriminating.
0: Does she not think they wouldn't at least hear her?
1: I don't know if she knew she was being recorded, but mm-hmm. she, she's so stupid. How do you not know that? Know. Anytime you're in an interrogation room, if you're sitting there by yourself, you're still being recorded? Mm-hmm. And they're probably not soundproof walls. No, no. At one point, mm-hmm. she wonders out loud if anyone would want to marry her if they find out that she killed her boyfriend in self-defense. And then she laughs. Like, she was cracking herself up at some of the stuff she was saying. And then she... Also said that if she doesn't get a serious punishment, she could be happy just maybe having a career.
0: In what? <laughs> just a career?
1: <laughs> not acting. No. Not that. No, definitely not. After about three hours of that nonsense, uh-huh. Officer Ford Dash enters the room, and he's like, So Shayna, with everything that we've got, I'm going to arrest you for murder. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what degree? And he's like, there, there is no degree. It's no. murder. I'm arresting you for murder. Like, she's stupid. Mm hmm. Capital S T O O P I D. Stupid. Like, after she's arrested, she has to sit in jail until, until her bail hearing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long that typically takes, but in her case, it took two years. So she's in jail for her bail hearing. And at her bail hearing, she does take the stand to try to build this false narrative of self-defense, basically stating that she had a reason to fear Ryan due to the massive amounts of guns that he had within an arm's length anywhere in his condo. Um,
0: But then again, why would you even be near someone like that? You could have left.
1: Well, yeah, and again, and never returned. <laughs> again, like from all of his friends, like even his ex girlfriend, like mm-hmm. he was very responsible. Yeah. He did not play with his guns. Like he went to the shooting range. He had mm-hmm. his friends go with him. He took his ex girlfriend and told her, like, I want you to know how to shoot this, so you don't actually acci- accidentally pick up a gun and hurt yourself or mm-hmm. me or somebody else. Um. So again, Michelle Snodgrass, the prosecutor, she like was giving it back to Shayna. Um, and like bringing up the fact that Shayna's story kept changing about how she shot Ryan. Uh huh. And Michelle Snodgrass said, like, the reason that Shayna shot Ryan is because, like, she knew this was the final time they were breaking up. It was final. There wouldn't be any going back and no getting back together. And Shayna would not allow things to end like that. Mm hmm. Um, and she again said, like, if Shayna was truly, truly afraid of Ryan, the door was literally right behind her. Uh-huh. She shot him one time in the head. He was down, twitching. He wasn't going to get back up. She could have turned around and left, and yeah. she didn't. Instead, she walked around the table and shot him five additional times. Mm-hmm. Shayna did not make bail. He act, the judge actually set her bail at $1.5 million.
0: As he should have.
1: Um, and her parents cannot afford to pay that. So she was <laughs> in jail until the trial began. And I think that was like an additional two years. Mm-hmm. So Shayna did not take the stand at her trial, which was probably in her best interest because she is a fucking idiot. And she would have <laughs> like done no Service to herself by taking the stand. Uh-huh. So at the trial, the prosecution presented evidence showing Shayna had shot Ryan because she was jealous and obsessed with him. And the best witness the prosecution could have ever seen or, or heard from was that interrogation room of Shayna, mm-hmm. like dancing around, just being completely unconcerned. Um, and they see a clip where Shayna stated that her love for Ryan had turned to hate. And again, that's just like that, that is the truth. That is why she killed him. Yes. And they also, sh- like, the prosecution brings up the amount of text messages that Shayna and Ryan had, like, and most of them being from Shayna. Mm-hmm. They heard, like, messages that Ryan had sent his friends were read out describing Shayna's behavior. And a huge piece of evidence against Shayna's theory of self-defense is that at one point in that evening, and Shayna admitted this like in that interrogation video, uh-huh. is that Ryan had locked himself in his bedroom that night to try to get away from her. And do you know what she did when he locked himself in his bedroom?
0: Pound at the door till he opened it?
1: She Googled how to pick a lock with a bobby pin and did that. He was trying to get away from her. He was trying to avoid... Yeah. Any kind nothing of confrontation, in her. No.
0: Like she could come up with nothing that would make sense based off of everything else that had already happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was doing everything he could to get away from her. He 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 was done that now. Mm-hmm. He was done. He was trying to end things and Shayna wouldn't let that happen. Um and so after she picked the lock when he was locked himself in his bedroom, um the argument moved into the dining room where Assumingly, Ryan had placed his gun after he got home from work. Mm Because that was very typical. That's what he did when he got home. And so, that's where she ended up murdering him by shooting him six times. Um, Her first shot was to Ryan's head. And based on the blood evidence at the scene, he had been sitting down when she shot him. Mm -hmm. And so, there's a lot of talk about blood splatter in the trial. And the prosecution is stating, like... And you can see it in the crime scene photos and the video the blood splatter is consistent with him like sitting down and like the bullet coming at a downward trajectory Uh uh-huh because if he was standing up there would be blood splatter like higher up on the wall Mm -hmm. but all of the blood splatter is like down along the baseboard which it's not going to be that way if If
0: someone's standing
1: no and if he was standing too and she shot him in the head Mm Mm-hmm and he's still coming at her the blood would have like dripped down onto his shirt mhm there wasn't any blood on his shirt there was blood on his pants and the prosecution is saying like that's from where his head hit the table and the blood was like dripping onto his oh. pants and then the prosecution also stated like there was no evidence that a struggle had taken place in that apartment. Mm-hmm. Like his apartment was messy. His dad even said he was like kinda a slob, but he was twenty eight years old. He lived alone. Yeah. His apartment's not going to be clean. No,
0: he doesn't have to be.
1: No. And so the bookshelf where Ryan had allegedly thrown Shayna, mm-hmm. there it's like a pretty tall bookshelf.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And it had like three separate shelves. And you see on the shelf, the bottom one, is like a row of old smoking pipes. Mm-hmm. They're all standing up perfectly. Yeah. The row above that, he had bullets sitting on their end, mm-hmm. all standing up. If he had thrown her into that, those would have been knocked over.
0: And on the floor.
1: On the floor. On the table where he had been sitting, there were like pill bottles. hmm None of them were disturbed. They were all, like, sitting up. Mm -hmm. And then on the TV, where she said that he had, like, tossed her into, there was dust on the TV. (laughs) But there was, like, no fingerprints, Mm -hmm. nothing on that. Um, And so, like, I will say that in the photos taken of Shana after her arrest, she does have some marks around her wrist, like, if she were grabbed forcefully. However, that's probably what happened because she came to his apartment when she wasn't supposed to, mm-hmm. came in, picked his bedroom door lock. After he was trying to get away from her, he probably did. Which, I, again, I don't think there's any justification for putting your hands on somebody. But at that point, him doing that, that was self-defense. Yes. That's the only form of self-defense that took place that night. Mm-hmm. Like, Shayna was not defending herself. No. There were not any other bumps or bruises on Shayna. Nothing. Nothing.
0: That's remarkable for someone who was allegedly thrown around a room.
1: Yeah. Well, the defense argued that Shayna was suffering from battered woman syndrome and was still afraid from afraid of Ryan because he was still moving, which is absolutely disgusting. Like Ryan's family is sitting in this courtroom, mm-hmm. listening to testimony about their son's last moments, and he's moaning in pain, twitching because he's been shot six times, and they're having to listen to this lie about Shayna saying he beat her up, which again. Not all bruises are visible. I mean, it's just not. Like, abusers know how to do it, so nobody sees it. I don't think that's the case in this instance. Mm -mm, I think Shana made all of it up. When I think about it, Ryan saw her raise the gun. Mm -hmm. Like, he knew what was about to happen. And the thoughts that must have been running through his mind before she pulled the trigger, it's so upsetting. And to think about his family having to listen to that is just it's disgusting like after the first shot ryan wasn't dead mm-hmm. like he wasn't dead i don't know how long he was alive for all of yeah. the shots but once his head hit the table he did not get back up mm-hmm. he didn't and then the prosecution also called in three former cellmates of Shayna. so apparently after she was locked up she couldn't shut up then either and again anytime you have like informant information it has to be taken with a grain of salt absolutely but all three informants maintained that they did not receive any special treatment or privileges mm-hmm. co- for coming forward. They probably hated her as much as everybody else did. Yeah.
0: And um, especially just like in general, if some, if she did not just like shut up about anything, including no. the murder, they were probably like, no, we really like, we want her to pay preferably somewhere else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the informants stated that Shana had told her she initially was going to plead insanity, but she had the IQ of Einstein, so she chose to plead the battered woman defense.
0: I don't think she has the IQ of Einstein.
1: No. They also alleged that Shayna told them that she was the aggressor in the relationship, and she would intentionally create bruises on herself mm-hmm. to try to make it look like Ryan had assaulted her. When you
0: mentioned her wrist, I'm like, did she do it in the cuffs? Or did she probably do something afterwards, when after she shot him? Well,
1: the... um. Ryan's neighbor, a woman named Nikki Carnes, she was interviewed by police and mm-hmm. she shared that Shayna had come to her apartment a couple of times crying and she had said that Ryan was being aggressive towards her like Shayna had told Nikki mm-hmm. he was being aggressive but she like Nikki indicated she believed Ryan was the aggressor mm-hmm. but she never saw anything She's only going off of what Shayna had told uh-huh. her and it I was listening to a podcast about this and they made a really good point that. Like, if you don't see it, you only hear it, and it's between a man and a woman, generally you assume that the man is the aggressor. mm mm-hmm. But in this case, I don't think it was. I think it was 100% Shayna. The informants also shared that Shayna told them she did know that he had a date with Audrey Bolte that night. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. Because she had admitted she had been hacking into his Facebook. Oh, I
0: absolutely believe it.
1: She would take his phone and read his messages. And I think it's really likely that she knew about the date. And Mm -hmm. Ryan was finally, like, standing his ground about ending things that night. And that's why she killed him.
0: Yes. I think so too.
1: Her defense attorney, um, David. I can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> and I've watched this like a thousand times. Mehea I can't. It's anyway. okay. Um, he called her mother to the stand mm-hmm. to testify about the night she saw Shayna before Ryan was murdered. And when her mother's on the stand, she makes the revelation that Shayna actually called her mother before. She called 911 after she shot Ryan.
0: Oh. Um,
1: and so when he asked her, like, what did you tell Shayna? Her mother said that she told Shayna to to call 911 and tell them exactly what happened and where she was. And then the defense also tries to show that Ryan did have an aggressive side by bringing up messages he had sent his friends regarding a legal dispute he was having with the previous um, law partner. Mm-hmm. Because he was being sued by a previous law partner. I'm not sure what was going on there just that he was being sued and so he had written to one of his friends and made a comment something like he wanted to bury the guy in the sand and wait for the tide to come in and watch him drown Mm
2: -hmm. Um, and
1: then he had also made another comment to a friend that he wanted to uh, burn the entire town down Um, and because of the stress of the lawsuit he had also he had prescriptions for both xanax and adderall Uh uh-huh And he had told his friend, Allie Wagner, that he was taking Adderall to wake up and Xanax to go to sleep, which Mm -hmm. is not a good combination. Um, And he had told one of his friends that from what he could tell, his medicine could cause him to become enraged. But again, despite his prescription for both drugs, his friends, his family, everybody at work maintained that they had not seen any change in his behavior After he had been taking the medicine.
0: Yeah, and people say things like that when they're angry, but yeah rarely are they ever serious about, like, especially wanting to burn the town down. Like, that was not a, hey, I'm going to go to the store and get some supplies to burn the town down type of deal. It's just, he's venting.
1: No, I mean, how many times at my old job did I say, I want to burn this building down? Like, <laughs> right. I wanted to burn the building down. Mm-hmm. And again, the prosecution maintained, like, yeah, he may have said those things. But those threats, that anger was never directed at Shayna. Even when he was venting to his friends about Shayna essentially stalking him, mm-hmm. he never said, like, um, she makes me so mad, I wanna punch her. Like, he never said anything like that. That anger was directed at someone else. Mm-hmm. So the defense, still in trying to maintain a case of self defense, bring in the table from Ryan's apartment to reenact the shooting. And maintained that even though she had shot him in the head, he was still a threat to her. It only took the jury five hours to reach a verdict when they went into deliberation, and she was found guilty of murder.
0: As she should be. Yeah.
1: So in Kentucky, the jury actually recommends the sentence, and then the judge hands it down. Mm-hmm. And so, the defense was asking for a lenient sentence for Shayna because she didn't have a prior criminal record. She was a good student. She was like active in her community uh-huh. and blah blah no, sure blah blah blah. She was blah. active. Um. But during an impact statement from Ryan's family, his sister gave a really moving speech about how, like, all the things that Ryan would miss in their family mm-hmm. and, like, how he was such a, like, a big part of their family and there would always be an empty chair at holidays and special mm-hmm. occasions. It was really, really sad. Really sad. And she was crying. And so the jury actually had recommended 40, cent, 40 years. But, again, the defense is wanting a shorter sentence. And argued that Shayna was a, domest- uh, vi- a victim of domestic violence, and if they could prove that, then she would be eligible for parole after eight years. But in Kentucky, there's a law stating that in order for a person to be, like, I guess, deemed a victim of domestic violence, mm-hmm. the defense would have had to prove that Shayna and Ryan lived together. Now, during the police interrogation video, Shayna explicitly states they did not live together. But now she's going to take the stand and try to prove that they did. <laughs> and she's reading these um, text messages between her and Ryan where they were talking about, like, what to have for dinner. Mm-hmm. Which was absolutely ridiculous. Like, they did not live together. She lived 80 miles away. Yeah.
0: And. Um, In- You know, even if they had dinner a couple of times, that does not constitute living together.
1: No, if she spent the night there a couple nights a week, they were not Mm -mm. living together. So the prosecution presented evidence that during that time Shana and Matt were together in 2012, Shayna had actually slept with 10 different men. Which, sleep with whoever you want. Like, that's, do whatever you want. That's not a problem. The prosecution brought it up because if Shana and Ryan were living together and they were in this serious relationship, if your partner's sleeping with 10 different people, hopefully you would know that. Mm-hmm. Like, that wouldn't be something you could hide. Shayna just, she did not show any sympathy at all to Ryan or his family. Um, and the judge totally did not believe they were living together. So she tried to, she like, she gave this little speech to the judge and she was like even though Ryan didn't beat her every day he did lay hands on her a number of times which is true like abusers are not going they don't beat their partner yeah, their spouse fact every about day abusers yeah she during this time like she had been diagnosed as a narcissist mm-hmm. and it was really evident like yeah. during her final statement to the judge like pleading for a shorter sentence because she did apologize but not to Ryan's family she apologized to her friends and family for letting them down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Made no mention of, like, shooting Ryan. Like, a lot of times, and it's not every time, but, like, a lot of times when you see domestic violence victims who do shoot their abusive partner, they show remorse. And I'm yeah. not saying, like, it's deserved because if someone's beating the shit out of you. like, hmm But they still a lot of times you see, like, they show remorse and they say, I'm so sorry that this happened and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sorry for their family that they have to be without this person. Shayna did not do any of that. She actually said that, like, a long prison sentence is not going to help her rehabilitate her. Like, she wants to be able to help other people. And the judge was like, okay. So he sentenced (laughs) her to 40 years. Mm -hmm. But later, a year later, due to the Due to the discovery that there was a juror that was actually a convicted felon. Oh, no. She got a new trial. So, the new trial began in January of 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, During this trial, she had a new defense attorney and she did take the stand. Mm -hmm. Um, This time, Shayna alleged sexual violence on Ryan's behalf and said that he would, like, humiliate her for not being able to have an orgasm. And, like really like brought all this stuff and I into the court like again his family's there and she's just like slandering his name
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and when I was listening to this I was like she's bringing all this stuff up because it's really difficult like years later to show uh, like proof of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and it's just it's so disgusting for true victims who have experienced that like there's a reason why a lot of victims don't come forward because it's people like Shayna that make it di- like yeah people don't you know you're not you're worried that you're not going to be believed mm-hmm. because of people like that who make that stuff up. Mm-hmm. The defense had presented a psychologist that had diagnosed Shayna in addition to nar- being a narcissist with borderline personality disorder and PTSD stemming from childhood sexual abuse although there were never any like police reports and again that is a severely underreported crime yes but i think seeing interviews with her mother if shana had experienced sexual abuse as a child she would have told her mother and her mother would not have let that go Mm -hmm. like her mother would have done something and again i'm not saying i don't believe victims because i understand like that is so underreported yeah but i don't think that is what happened in Shayna's no, case.
0: I don't believe that either.
1: And again, like, something that really, really infuriated me so greatly
0: mm-hmm.
1: is when she's on the stand and she's talking about, like, how Ryan was awful to her and he made her, like, do all this, like, kinky stuff that she didn't want to do. On the night he was murdered, Shayna told the jury, his parents out there, too, that Ryan had told her she was a fucked up person because she was touched by. As a little girl, I was like, "Why would you?" It was so infuriating, mm-hmm. so infuriating to watch that. And then they also the jur- um, the prosecution like reads text messages showing that Shayna was a willing participant in like all the kinky stuff yeah. that he wanted to do. And at one point, when they were like trying to break up, or he was trying to like make her go away,
2: mm-hmm.
1: she was like, "Okay, what about if we have a threesome?"
0: Huh.
1: And he was like, "Okay," which. Again, like, that's I, nothing on him. That's no. Like...
0: She presented an idea. He liked it.
1: Yes. But there were stipulations. Mm-hmm. In order for them to have a threesome, Ryan had to put up, like, ten pictures he had taken down on Facebook, put them back up of him and Shayna, and then he had to promise to communicate more and show her more affection.
0: Wow. Like,
1: yeah. Like, he clearly does not want to be with you. No. In fact, he wants to be with you so little that he wants to have sex with another woman in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how little he wants to be with you. Yes. Like, she's so outrageous. Outrageous. Yeah. And so, again, the prosecution, like, brings up her, like, the many inconsistencies in her story. of Like, how she shot him. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also had described Ryan to her friends, like, In very flattering ways, like, talking about how he was so nice and Mm. so kind and he never, like, wanted to argue with her. And Shana's like, well, sometimes he was nice and sometimes he was kind. I was like, he was kind to you the entire time. Like, he he did not want to hurt your feelings, which Mm -hmm. is why he stayed with you for 18 months. The jury deliberated again for about five hours before finding Shana guilty of murder and grind for a second time. Um... And his father gave a really touching impact statement describing Ryan. mm mm-hmm. um, His sister, again, he had three sisters. And yeah. the same sister took the stand again. And she had a bear mm-hmm. that was made out of a, one of his shirts. And it was one of those bears that you could, like, have a message recorded. Uh-huh. But she's ba It was so sad to watch. She's bawling her eyes out. And the message was a voicemail from him. And it was like. Uh, like his message like outgoing message
2: Mhm
1: and she was said like this is all we have left of his voice it's his voicemail we don't get to see him or hear him it was really upsetting to watch like his family I imagine so um Shayna's mother gave a statement on Shayna's behalf mm-hmm. which like it really pissed me off when i was watching this because her mom like i cannot imagine what it's like to like both families lost something Yeah and Shayna's mom clearly loved her that's Mm -hmm. her child and i can't imagine what it would feel like to know that your child killed somebody
4: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but i would hope that if i were ever in that position like i would say i love you but what you did was so wrong like you you were going to be punished for this because it was wrong it's not okay absolutely and shana's mom's crying and she's like it's not that I'm saying to the Poston family that I don't understand their loss. I do. And I'm like, you you, you don't. don't. Like, your daughter's sitting right there. You can look at her. You can go visit her. Mm-hmm. You can hear her voice. They don't have that with him. No. Like, they have a, a spot where they can go visit him. Mm-hmm. And they have his voice on an outgoing email message. That's mm-hmm. all they have of their kid. It was her mom, like, again, I understand her mom's going through it. But...
0: But it's not the same thing.
1: It's not the same, no. It is not the same. So, the jury met the following day to recommend their sentence. hmm And this time, they recommended a life sentence for Shayna, oh. And it was upheld by the judge. Good. So, under Kentucky law, she has to serve at least 20 years of her life sentence before mm-hmm. she's eligible for parole. And then, due to time served while she was awaiting trial... She will be eligible for parole in twenty thirty two when she's around forty years old.
0: She'll just be forty then. Yeah. Wow.
1: But I like one thing in order for people to get parole, the parole board likes to see like remorse, mm-hmm. and she does not have any of that. No. Like she feels completely justified, and I honestly feel like what happened is that. He probably was sitting down, and he probably did go to stand up, mm-hmm. but I think it's because she already had the gun, yeah, and she was pointing at at him, and he was trying to stop her exactly and that's when she shot him, mm-hmm. because I think she knew that he had a date, and she was not going to let him go leave her no, that is that's the story of Shayna Hubers and Ryan poston
0: i mean outrageous is the word to describe it
1: it is very jody Arias.
0: it is. It kind
1: of is. And it's this case has actually been called like the Kentucky Jodi Arias. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, like nobody saw her butthole. <laughs> but they like when she spoke, she was definitely having a lot of mouth vomit. Like Yes. It, yes or was. word vomit, not mouth vomit. That's what I actually <laughs> happened. She had word vomit. Like she could not shut up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if she had shut if she had shut up, which I'm glad she didn't, yeah. because she put the nail in her own coffin. Mm-hmm. But if she had shut up they would have had, a, like, the prosecution would have had a much more difficult time proving that. But Shana, like, made it easy for the prosecution. There is no person that could watch those tapes and be like, this is self-defense. She's singing. She's dancing. That little bit where she's saying, I did it. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's I mean, floating. She's, like, waving her hands in the air, like, you know, yeah. Like, I'm like, you just shot him. Yes. If I had to shoot somebody, even if it's in self defense, I'm going to be a wreck. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way I would be dancing around singing.
0: Absolutely doing not. Doing
1: pirouettes. Auditioning for American Idol. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. And she did not give a shit. She was just, like, having the time of her life in that. And she honestly thought that she was going to get off.
0: Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, she was a narcissist, so of course she thought that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that she. Thought that was a better option than pleading insanity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if she had pled insanity they, and they saw those tapes, they, they might be like, you make know, a case. Yeah, yeah, I think she would have done better than <laughs> that Einstein level IQ mm-hmm. did nothing for Shana no. Humer's.
0: No, except disprove that little theory.
1: Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she's going to be around forty years old, but I don't think she's going to get parole the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, and what's scary is that at forty. If she were granted parole, that is still very young. It is. Yeah, I'm five years away from Mm -hmm. 40.
0: That's why I was so surprised when you said she'll be 40. Like, I was expecting, like, she'll be 60s or 70s. No, because
1: she was only in her early 20s. She was 21 when she shot him. Wow. So, she was very young. And, again, she was very young. And I know when I was 21, I made a lot of stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. But it never crossed my mind like there were some exes that I was just like I never want to see you yeah. again. I think you're an idiot. But even in those instances, like when I would have an argument and we were like yelling at each other, mm-hmm. we were yelling because we were young and that we didn't know how to communicate. Exactly. But it never turned physical. I never wanted to shoot anybody.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And for her, like that was a justification. Like it's so so crazy
0: terrible
1: so anyway but yeah that was
0: that's that's the episode i
1: guess (laughs) if you want to watch something that's disgusting and unbelievable watch the her non-interrogation interrogation interrogation video Mm -hmm. because the police absolutely ask her no questions and she can't shut up like me right now (laughs) talking about this but it's so crazy so yes anyway
0: well thanks for listening everyone If you're interested in hearing and learning more about us, check us out. Social media. Sam, where are we at?
1: We are on Instagram at Monsters and Murder Pod, and you can reach us at gmail at monstersandmurderpod at gmail.com.
0: Yes, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you like the episodes. Give us suggestions, maybe. We'll take we'll take those in consideration. Even if you call
1: us a hillbilly, we'll still respond back. Absolutely. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye.